because we were just going through the whole week and we had some time where we could just kind of explore the city and go around and we went to Nashville a couple times and did all that. Um, but I know I'm pretty adventurous and so is Michael. And so we were like, well, what, what caves are around? Like, let's try to find out where we can go. Um, and so I looked up on Reddit, like caves near me, you know, like I just went on Google. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, so we started looking for things and it was kind of like, is this a cave that we can go? Like, is this, is this like a place that isn't trespassing? We didn't really know. Um, and there was like a new house being built. So I was like, well, probably not the best idea, but well, maybe let's go back and see. And so we ended up finding, um, kind of like a half cave it was covered in water and we we're like, Whoa, this is crazy. Um, and then that got me like, okay, there's gotta be more. Let's do it again. Like, let's go find another. So we go all around the city and, um, that's kind of what piqued our interest, uh, just climbing in the caves and stuff. So, so let's speed up a little bit. You guys okay. get caught underground. Right. So <laughs> the first cave we went to was all blocked off and gated. So we couldn't go there, but later on that night we went out to eat. And then we saw these tunnels under a parking lot. So we went under those and then me and another friend went out and then we're like on top guiding them, like yelling down the, the grates and the, for Nate and our friend Josh to climb through. And so they climb under the whole parking lot, but like Nate pops out a different spot. Josh pops out farther down. So then later that night we start talking about God and just like, how to love people and how like we're just talking about how people who aren't Christians just want love. That's why they look for it in so many different ways and like just different ways like that. And then we start talking about the caves, about how our goal for the day was to find a cave. So we're looking in all these spots where we shouldn't be looking because they're all like not like open property. So then right where the tunnels were under that was right near our friend's apartment. So we were just saying how like we're looking for stuff in places where we shouldn't be looking, where God sometimes has what we want to do or plan right in front of us. So and then like how we talked about how God has a timeline for us, like a plan. So we said the tunnel was like our plan for God because we all popped out at different spots and how Aaron and I, we couldn't lift the grate alone to let Nate and Josh out. So together we were able to help. So we we're just like using that as an example to help non-believers just work together and then just like the whole trip shouldn't have happened because nate or nate was supposed to that day be in a car accident because that where he used to work the van he got like hit by a car and flipped over mm -hmm. so he would have been in there if he didn't like leave that job and i was supposed to work a week beyond that point and then our friend josh was just supposed to go down see visit our friend Aaron who lives down there and leave and then Aaron's roommate was supposed to get back Wednesday so we weren't gonna be there for an extra couple of days so it's kind of crazy how all that happened and there's some other stuff like with that that happened but yeah it was pretty cool and so I had them come up and share because first well it's my boy so whenever he has something to share that God's doing in his life it's, it's just amazing but Nate is flying back Tuesday, and my prayer is whenever we have a spiritual experience, 
encounter. Sometimes you think it's a spiritual high, but it's really an emotional high. It's a spiritual low. It's a starting point. It's a foundation. It's a building block. And so, especially with Nate going back, I just pray this experience that you guys had together, you continue to allow God to uh, be involved in your life to the point where he's Lord, he's master, he takes over. And especially Nate's father had two strokes uh, before Nate came out. And so he has some health concerns and Nate uh, helps with his dad. So we just want to pray uh, for Nate with his family as well. But if you would, as you're able, won't you stand and just extend an arm as we pray for Nate and Michael. And uh, Jesus, we thank you because you're good and that you love us. We thank you that you have a plan and you open our eyes to it. We just pray that we would choose you, that we would be obedient, that we would surrender to you and we would follow you. Father, we pray that we would thank you for all the good that you are doing. And Father, we do thank you for Nate's family. We thank you for that his dad is alive and recovering. We just pray for all the details that you would just work in and through them, that you would bring Christians into their lives to reveal your truth to Nate's dad, where he would choose you. And Father, we just pray that you would fill us with great confidence and boldness to know that you love us, that you are trustworthy, and that we don't need to go where we are allowed, but we can go in the freedom that you give us and find rest and peace and hope and wisdom there. So Jesus, we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. If you just clap for them as you as you see it. <clears throat> Well, thank you, guys. We do thank you for your continued giving and tithes and offerings, whether online or uh, here um, at the church as well. We are continuing with the book of Acts, and I know it's Advent Sunday, and the focus is faith. I think this will gladly or hopefully just tie in because God's word is about faith. Acts 5.12, the apostles were performing many miracles and signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers were meeting you guys can say that. Let me read that again. And all the believer, believers were meeting. Well, let me say the apostles were performing many miracles and signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting. Oh, I like that word. At the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. There are some people that will not want to come and join us because they've heard things. I actually received a phone call the other day. I picked it up, as typically I do. I don't think like, oh, you don't pick up my... Anyway, I digress. So uh, I picked up the call and they said, hey, are you the pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church? I said, I am. They said, are you Calvinist? I was like, no, we're Wesleyan. He said, do you preach from the King James Version only? I was like, no, we use a variety of translations. He's like, well, thank you, but I'm not going to be attending your church because I believe the Bible. And I'm like... Uh, I had to push it a little bit. Say, like, how did you find us? And he said, well, I saw you online. So I thought I'd give you a call and just see if you were the church for me. And I said, well, if you were looking for more of a Baptist rooted church, uh, Waterbury Mission that meets at uh, Brookside Primary School might be best for you. And it was polite. But after I had this, oh, it just made me frustrated because it seems as though Christians have so many discrepancies with one another that why would non-Christians say, hey, I want to come too, when you're like having these discrepancies about these silly things. 
if you do not know what a Calvinist or a Wesleyan Arminian is, then join me at a membership meeting because that's primarily the only place it'll come up. But uh, if you are interested in membership and want to know, we will see you there. But God cannot be stopped. Verse 14, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. People were brought to God even though there was this disbelief, even though there was this high regard, but I don't know if I want to follow Jesus, both men and women. Why does the Bible say both men and women? Why doesn't it just say men? Because in the ancient days, in the culture of this writing, it was only men that were taught, that were educated. Well, we find that both men and women were created by God, and God loves both men and women, and God does not want to hold back knowledge from both men and women. This is Luke 24, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Jesus was buried. They were taking spices. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance so that when they went in, there was no body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men, angels, suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to... to so they, the women that were uneducated in that culture, that were put behind even the livestock in that culture. So they rushed back from the tomb to his 11 disciples, everything else and what had happened, what had happened that Jesus had risen from the dead. That is the unigalion, the good news, the gospel of scripture, the Bible, that the women were the first recorded people in history to tell the gospel that Jesus had risen from the dead. Anyway, I digress. Or maybe not. The women were the first to declare and proclaim the good news that Jesus was resurrected, yet more and more people believed both men and women. I had a conversation with someone this week that I met doing a uh, ministry, and they said, I have all of these questions. And I said, well, I don't know if I can answer them, but I'd love to hear your story. And they shared their story. And they said when they were, uh, by the time they were 20 years old, they had moved 20 times in their life. They did not have a father. This lady did not have a father. She did not just live with her mom. She went to foster home, to foster home, to residence, to residence, to place, to place. And now she said, I don't know what it is, but I just started praying. I tried all of these other things, these mystical things that I had heard about that I had tried. But it just felt like I wanted myself to control it. But I just thought, like, I'll just pray to God and see what happens. And she said there was like a purging, her words, a purging that took place that I had never experienced before in any other type of religious ceremony, because I think she said, I prayed to God, and it felt like this purging came out, that there has to be more to this life than this discomfort, this abuse, this rejection, this abandonment, this tragedy that I've only known for the last 20 years. 
And I said, well, I'm glad you shared that with me, but I don't know if I can answer any other question because I think you answered it for yourself that Jesus is the one that's going to bring you fulfillment in your life. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick to those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick. Now, in this verse, and sometimes we often just skip to the physical healing, the physical ailment, this goes well beyond that. It is not just the physically sick. It's not just the emotionally sick, but it's also the financial, the spiritual, those that have fragmented relationships. They were bringing these people to Peter, not because, hey, Peter, he is uh, God, but Peter was used by God, and because... I'm seeing miraculous signs and wonders taking place that I can't explain it. Maybe for Lori, she could explain it like it was miraculous that I actually found God at that Easter service in a middle school. Because how many times have I preached or you attended a sermon where you're like, that was nice, but I didn't really sense God there. Oh, that was good. I got to see my friends and the music was nice, but uh, I mean, I probably could have found that like over coffee with some of my secular friends. And when we invite Jesus into the situation, when God is already here, but we invite him to come and to break apart and rip away the things that are keeping us away from him, we say, no, come in that we might know your love, that we might be used of you, that you might understand where we're at so you could lift us up, not with great wealth, but with great wisdom to know that God loves us. What if we started to bring our friends, bring those that are sick, bring those that they have questions, and we say, hey, I don't know all of the answers, but I just know that in this place, God is there. Then you realize it's not just at Crossbrook Middle School. It's not just at the chapel. It's not just around your dinner table when you get together and pray, but it's wherever believers are, there can be the fulfillment, the manifestation of Jesus in such a way that it's just different. It's unique. It's, wow, I want others to experience this. So they brought those. Now, I would like you to bring people to Christmas Eve. I'd like you to bring people every Sunday. But what if we had relationships where we began to invite people in, not to be a part of this local church, but to be healed, that God would heal their brokenness, that they would know that they have a reason, that they would not contemplate suicide any longer, that they would not go to drugs or alcohol or relationships bouncing around to kind of feel like something. I just want to feel something. That's what somebody else told me this week. Jeff, I just want to feel something. Sick people were brought out. Others brought their sick. Who do you know that is sick? So I felt Wednesday was a very special life group. We've never done it before. It was a unique time where we had communion, but not only did we receive the elements and think about what Jesus did for us, but we thought about those that need a savior. And those of us within the life group, we went around and just said the first name of somebody that we're praying for. And what if we as a congregation, we just started to share, hey, could you pray for so-and-so? First name, 
You could just use initials or you could call them some foreign name that you don't know, but you're scared that they might find out. Whatever you do, that we as a church would be concerned for those that are sick, those that are lost, those that if they died, we would not know if they went to heaven or hell. And we can pray and bring those to them. Because James 5 says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. This is Advent. Be patient. God, just hurry up and get here. God, we want Christmas, but after I get my gifts, let me enjoy them for at least for a week, but then you can come back. Wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. I think Tim Fuller mentioned this at Life Group, something I'd heard before, but it was just a great reminder. You don't what is it? You don't pick up planted seed. That's kind of the gist of it. If you plant seed, you don't look the next day and dig it up. It's like, hey, where's the fruit? You have to wait for that to happen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of of the Lord. This is bringing Jesus into the calculation that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is the one that we need. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven because this is greater. This is much more. This gives greater value than just physical healing. This is from the depths of your core. This individual that I spoke with lived 20 places in 20 years. This is the healing she wants to know that her past is forgiven. Her hurt can become healed. Her life cannot be, oh, you're the one that, oh, your dad, he's, oh, that happened to you. But she can be looked at with, you have phenomenal value. You are giving so much to those that you care for. You are welcome because God says we are forgiven. This is why we celebrate Advent. This is why we have a Christmas tree, decorations. It's not just so we as a family can get together. It's we can focus on who Jesus is and anticipate that he's coming back. So Acts 5, 17, the high priest and his officials who were Sadducees were filled with jealousy. We talked about Sadducees a little bit uh, back and something that the Sadducees did not believe in was the supernatural. So I find that kind of interesting how they're a religious, spiritual leader, but they don't believe in the supernatural. And of course, with the supernatural comes angels. So the Sadducees did not believe in angels. The Sadducees did not believe in angels. They were jealous. I want you to get that. But they didn't believe in angels. Why were they jealous? Well, I think they had a form of godliness, but they denied its power. They were religious leaders, and they were doing the right thing according to the law, but they did not have the power of God. They had a form of godliness, but they did not see the fruit that Peter was having in his ministry. We need to make sure that it's about Jesus, not just about doing the right thing. Because you can do the right thing and miss Jesus. We can come to church, but it's just a nice social gathering. Or can it be an experience where God showed up? And I can't explain it. But whether you cry, you're emotional, whether you have feelings or not, there's just something powerful by the word of God, the truth of who Jesus is. That it's just can't be explained. You're like, it was different. And it was good. So the Sadducees arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But 
An angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. So the Sadducees put him in jail. They don't, they don't believe in angels. And then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So this angel broke these guys out of jail, but told them, go back to the temple. So a temple, not to be like goofy, but it was like a church building, maybe in the center of town where everybody knew it, where it was. It was go back where everybody can see you. Yes, you were just put in jail. I just took you out of jail. But I want you to go back where everybody can see you and preach the same message that you got put in a jail for. When we read the Bible, it's like, yeah, of course, they're the apostles. Like Peter and John, we know what happened to them. Like they're good guys. They're like super spiritual. They're ultra religious. Jesus like said on you, Peter, I'll build my church. Of course, Peter's going to do it. But the same message comes back to us. Like, well, you want me to talk about my faith again? Yeah, like that's what Christians do. We can't help but share like the goodness of Jesus, what he's done, how he helps, how he loves. Like this is something we can't contain. Well, are you sure you want me to do it? Like, can I do it in private? Can I do it off to the side? Can we start like, you know, the secret underground meeting where we have church and it's a special prayer time, but only for those that want to be there, not for those that don't need, don't know Jesus, but really need Jesus. And the angel said, no, go to the temple where everybody can see you. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. This is from the New International Version, the last from the New Living Translation. Tell about this new life, not this past that you had. Um, up at Top Notch, as I said, this week was just phenomenal. There was a couple, they own Woodstock Sports down in Woodstock, Vermont. Strong Christians, had a good conversation with them. They said, Merry Christmas. And I'm like, I paused. And I was like, Merry Christmas. Because I say Happy Holidays. Thanksgiving's over. Happy Holidays until Christmas. And I say Merry Christmas. Like, I just do. But And it's like, curiously, are you a believer? Because I'm a full-time pastor, and I just kind of like hearing Merry Christmas. And he said, well, we're full-time believers. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so it was just an interesting conversation, but they just talked a lot. But then uh, staying there, there's another guy, Joe. He's from Georgia, and he's a, a Christian as well. And he heard me talk about Bethany having her port removed, and uh, he I was telling one of the staff, and he's like, hey, I overheard you mentioning uh, your wife had to have her chemo port removed. How is she? And I said, she's doing great. We're just so blessed. And he said, well, I'm a Christian and you need to pray. And it's like, well, I'm a pastor and we've been praying. But it was just a great conversation. But he was sharing of a friend that he has that uh, that is in a position and somebody's bringing up something that happened 30 years ago. This guy is 61 years old. He's bringing something up that happened 30 years ago. And my friend said, it's so sad because if you looked at your life and he pointed at me, I was like, oh boy, I don't like him pointing at me. But he pointed right at me and he said, if you look at the worst thing that you've ever done in your life, the worst thing. And that's what people were bringing up now. How would that make you feel? What would happen to your reputation? Is that even fair? And I just thought of Salzina, one of her great friends. This is from a while ago. She was uh, from Peru, and she was divorced, and she went to the Catholic Church. And because she was divorced, she couldn't uh, receive communion. Then she became a Christian, came to our church. And I said, well, you can have communion now that you're a Christian. She said, well, but I'm divorced. It's like, well, you're a Christian now. 
She's like, well, so I can have communion even though I'm divorced? Like, well, you believe in Jesus and he forgave your sins. And she said, well, yes. And it's like, yes, you can have communion. And she was, you can ask Beth if I'm making this up. She was overjoyed because she thought she could never have communion again because of something that happened way back in her past. But because Jesus forgave her, she had that luxury as Jesus is a luxurious God with us. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and immediately began teaching. When the high priest and the officials arrived, they convened the high council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. Then they sent for the apostles to be brought out from uh, jail for trial. At daybreak, at daybreak, at break of day, early in the morning, at sunrise, the apostles entered the temple. I would like to say, like, this is why I chose the men's breakfast to be at 6.30 in the morning on the second Saturday of the month. But it's not. It's just like that early because I shared it before. If people don't show up, then I'm just going back to bed. Like, it's easy as that. But at daybreak, early in the morning, there's something to that. Second Saturday of the month, 6.30 at the chapel. It's coming up. There's that quick plug for that. But as early as they could, the apostles obeyed the angel and showed up at the temple. There was no hemming and hawing and like, ah, did he really mean that temple in the middle of the courtyard? Or could he mean like that little family temple, like way off in the country? Can we just go preach the good news there? And they were obedient to what the angel told them to do. Then someone arrived with startling news. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching the people. They were obviously found. Is it obvious to others that you're a believer, that you're a follower of Jesus? That people know you love him by your love for them? Not by, hey, look how I voted. Hey, look at this uh, Christian flag I wave. Hey, look at the crosses I wear on my body. But how you love one another. Is it obvious that you are for them because Jesus is for us? Well, the captain went with his temple guard, and they didn't want to stone. Uh, they didn't want to be stoned. So I shouldn't hurry. We have time, right? Maybe yes, a little bit. The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, because they, who's they, the captain and his temple guards, were afraid the people would stone them. Why were they afraid? They were afraid simply because God, who they denied, did something that the people were responding to. And because they couldn't control it, they said, I'm going to have to arrest you, but I don't want to push the issue because I'm scared because the evidence is so clear that God has done something in you and for you that if we say it isn't God, then people are going to revolt against us. I don't know if fear is the right word, but what if people became uncomfortable if in your presence they started to speak derogatory about Jesus or about the Bible or Christianity because they know how you live life and how you love him? What if your coworkers, what if people you meet, they're just like, oh, I probably can't say that because 
there's something about that person. I don't know if I really believe in God, Jesus, the Bible, his forgiveness, his resurrection, his virgin birth. I don't know if I really understand all that, but there's something about this person that exudes the truth that, oh, I long to have that confidence that they have. I, I can't speak disparagingly. I can't make fun because there's something different about them. And Jesus says that difference is for all of us. Not that people would be afraid, but people might understand there's a reverence when they're around God's followers because God is in us. So I'll just close with one more story. Someone that became a Christian uh, a few years ago, they were telling me recently, so Jeff, like the Holy Spirit actually lives in us? It's like, well, yeah, like I can't explain it, but at least biblically, that's what God resides like on us, in us, through us, like over us, but yeah, in us. And they're like, why didn't you tell me that earlier? It's like, well, I thought, like, it, you, just, you just knew it. And this person said, it's actually changed my life to know, like, I don't have to keep trying so hard, but I can just allow God to, well, that's something Jesus would do, and just do it. Oh, that's something like, that sounds kind. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll just be kind. And it's not like, hey, I'm being kind, God. Are you seeing it? God, I'm really being kind. I'm doing a good deed. It's like, yeah, I'm just being kind. Like, that's just God living in and through me. I hope this Advent season, this month of December, we begin to understand more that God loves us and that even us, God might have, bring the sick to know him, to know his healing, to know his freedom, to know that he loves us, he forgives us, and he gives us great purpose and phenomenal help. Won't you stand as we just close in prayer? Jesus, we do thank you that you love us, that you care about everything we're going through. We thank you for those doubts that we have. And Jesus, we expect you and we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. As you're able, just sing along with this final song.